It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, sports fans, and welcome to Illini Fellow Saturday Sports Talk. We're with you for a couple of hours as the normal procedure here on WDWS Champaign-Urbana with you until 11 o'clock. Mr. Tate, how are you this morning? I'm good. Leaning back and all set to go, relaxed, all <laughs> pumped up for the show. Well, you know, we got hit by a bombshell this week. It's a wonder we're still surviving here with this yep. sudden decision not to play non-conference games in football because... Whatever it does for Illinois and, and the Big Ten in terms of uh, allowing them to play, let's say, 10 games over maybe 13 or 14 weeks, which is what they, they want, that flexibility. They've they got some health concerns. They might have to delay some games. But it means, meanwhile, it really hurts a lot of other schools from the MAC. And, and uh, I, I just uh, read a story about Northern Iowa and how this impacts them so severely uh, with the it's just like Illinois State. They were only going to get 450000 for every game in Illinois, but that would have meant a lot to their, uh, their athletic budget. No doubt. And Bowling Green, who was scheduled to play in Champaign and get about a million dollars, was also going to get $1.2 by playing in Columbus. That's right. So $2.2 right out the door. And there's no way, I don't suppose that they, well, there's just no way they can. And what the other thing is that I, it, the Pac-12 is doing the same thing. And uh, I don't know, Notre Dame's going to have to scramble for a schedule because they had two games against the Pac-12. They're going to play Wisconsin. So that's three games that they've got to make up, which probably they'll be able to do because they're connected with the ACC. But now we, we're getting a ruling on the ACC Monday, maybe. Yeah, a lot going on this week. Uh, as Lauren mentioned, the Big Ten says conference games only for all Big Ten fall sports. High school sports around the state of Illinois still kind of uncertain what's going to happen there. The House of Pain bows out in the uh, basketball tournament over in Columbus in the uh, quarterfinals. Illinois football with another commit for 2021. Offensive lineman uh, Josh Crutes from Chicago, first Chicago uh, or state of Illinois recruit in this particular class. For uh, Yeah, I, I thought about there are three or four good reasons why he would come to Illinois. One, of course, he, his dad played for Lovey, and of course, he played for John Holosek at Loyola. And the other thing was he had no other major offers that I know of. Uh, he had some less than major, but Illinois was, a, was in a driver's seat there the whole time. And the start of Major League Baseball less than two weeks away, maybe. huh? We'll see how well, that goes. A week from Thursday, yep. first game. And by the way, the Giants are playing the Dodgers, and who's going to be catching for the Giants? Somebody you never heard of, probably. That's right, and it won't be Posey. Nope. He's pulling out. That, that makes 12 players that have decided that they will not play baseball this season, six of them former All-Stars like Posey. So it is good to hear the uh, crack of the bat, but uh, how long will we be hearing that? Uh, that? That, I think, is a key going forward. And uh, those are some of the things we'll talk about. Our guest lineup includes Tom De uh, Deanhart from the uh, goldenblack.com over at Purdue, the Purdue Rivals site. He was a little bit ahead of uh, 
the, the schedule or the uh, announcement, at least, of uh, Big Ten going to conference games. Yeah, I, I wondered what did he know and who did he know. Of course, he, he's really tight with Purdue, and his family's been very close with Purdue for decades and decades, and he got the information. And I, when I read it, I called Kent Brown, and Kent was kind of, you know, naturally a little bit evasive about the thing, and it broke within uh, a few hours. It, it, it broke that uh, Illinois would not play any non-conference football. In fact, they're not going to play any non-conference games of any kind uh, in the fall, right. which may affect two of the guys we're going to talk to today, uh, uh, Brad Dancer and, and Mike Small. Yeah, both those uh, guys have a fall schedule, and in golf, it's part of the overall schedule. It uh, well, they the don't. They don't have conference matches in, in, no, go, in golf until the Big Ten tournament. They do not, and they don't have any dual matches then. You know, everything's a tournament for golf. No, I wonder. Does this mean that there? Well, well, we'll find out. See, I, I told you before the show. I feel I'm I, I'm living in a strange world. We look up. We watched basketball yesterday uh, with, the, with the Illini, the you know, mainly the Illini team uh, lost, and and it was as though it just. All those games being played as though there's no problem, although they had to send three of the teams home earlier. We didn't know about that. But yeah, I see the EI League is going to play. It's just like, I mean, they're only going to have four teams. But I watched my old uh, men's softball team play the other night, and I thought, you know, s some people are going forward like that nothing happened, and then elsewhere it's, it's really restricted. Did you have the urge to get out there? Always have the urge, <laughs> but I had a second <laughs> thought. <laughs> They said you had to run. I said, whoops. What's the age uh, for the youngest person in the league? Well, it would be 55. I mean, it's 55 okay. and over. I don't know. They uh, don't the have age. an over 80 league. <laughs> no, no, they don't have an over 85 league. I, I'm looking for that one. You'd be the fastest guy in that league. Uh, well, yeah, but it would be a fast walk. You'd have to play more than one position, though, probably. <laughs> <laughs> you have to pitch and catch. Tom Deanhart will be with us. Uh, Brad Dancer at 930. Mike Small at 10 o'clock. Talked to Smalley a day or so ago, and not much going on with him. He's playing a little bit more than he would normally play just around town. He's not at any events now. The event that he has won several times, the PGA Club Championship, had to be uh, postponed, actually canceled for this year. Sure. The Ryder Cup uh, bit the dust this week for this year. What's, uh, what's going on with the Twin City? I know it's been postponed at least. Is it canceled for? I don't know the, exactly well, about the Twin City. The the Players' Cup at Savoy is going on this weekend. They're, they're well, doing the, that. The, the Twin City made an announcement last week, and, and I haven't seen it anywhere else, but uh, uh, they have decided not to play. Now, I don't know where they would try to do it later. I assume not. Well, the um, participa participation in the Twin City has gone down quite a bit over the years. Yeah. They used to do it on two weekends. They, a yeah. few years ago, they cut it back to one. So we'll see. Uh, phone line is open, 356-9397. And then our uh, final guest at 1030 is Scott Nagy. He's the uh, head basketball coach at Wright State University, and he also recruited and coached Mike Dom, who played for the House of Pain. So we'll talk a little bit of basketball with Scott Nagy. He has some roots to uh, Champaign, Champaign Centennial graduate. Yeah, and he, he was on uh, Lou Henson's staff for two years as a grad assistant. Mm -hmm. and of course, he's Dick Nagy's son. Yep. Let's go to the phones. Eric in Champaign is with us. Go ahead, Eric. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, a couple questions. So um, the reasoning behind doing the conference only, well, it can't be for travel because that's that's not uh, not a valid reason if you got Nebraska going to Rutgers and stuff like that, for example. 
Um, it can't really be for safety because then you, you really wouldn't be playing at all. You'd be like the Ivy League if it was truly for safety. Well, now, wait a minute. Before you get off safety, uh, that is exactly why they're doing it because they're going to have their own. All. Well, they're going to have their own rules, and that right. they, and they can't guarantee that Illinois State or Bowling Green have the same ability financially to do the tests that they're going to do. It's going to cost them two hundred fifty thousand dollars per school for this football season just for tests. So th- that is a concern. You may be, cor- I mean, you are correct in that, you know, they're still going to play themselves, which is dangerous, but they will have uh, rules set in that they couldn't guarantee, for instance, that Bowling Green would have. Well, you, you know, in- interesting thing is uh, Illinois developed that uh, saliva test, which, you know, they're doing here, and why that isn't being done everywhere else when you've got, you know, basically you take it home and do it yourself type of stuff and, you know, wait eight hours in a car or whatnot. <laughs> I haven't figured that one out yet. But uh, there's there's so many things going on. I mean, it won't surprise me and probably won't surprise you guys at all, and they just call the whole thing off, you know, with a couple of weeks ahead of time, I imagine. You know, I told Lauren uh, the other day, maybe yesterday, I said, uh, Thursday reminded me of Wednesday, the week of the yep. Big Ten tournament, when a game or two was played, and then they decided, uh, there were, I think the afternoon game was played, there was going to be another game played with no fans, and then it went uh, to no games on Thursday, then by Friday or so the NCAA tournament was canceled. It just kind of reminded me of that kind of day where this may be the toe in the water of what uh, really is ahead. Well, they're, they're trying to give themselves some leeway, some sure. cushion, in order to be able to play. If, if there's a game scheduled on a particular date that maybe they can, if there's an outbreak at Ohio State or Illinois or whatever, that they can postpone the game and play it at a later time. Uh, whether that's going to work out, I don't know. That is their, that's why they've got uh, 10 games over 14 weeks. Uh, one of the things I noticed, too, was I know um, Illinois was going to play September 4th, I think, Illinois State, and I, I looked and saw who's playing Big Ten games you know, that early. And Indiana, Wisconsin are playing that day, and the next day I believe it was Indiana and or Purdue and somebody. I can't remember exactly who, but so I would imagine that whole timing of the schedule because then Illinois wouldn't even play till what, October or something? October 3rd <laughs> is the scheduled date for um, the Rutgers, Rutgers game, yeah. but if they – if they leave the schedule intact as it is and add a game for Illinois, you would think that that game would be a home game because Illinois is in the 4-5 the year of four home games and five away games. So that might mean that somebody like Michigan State or Michigan or Penn State, I doubt it would be Maryland, but one of those first three might be coming to Champaign, and that could maybe be played in September. Well, but they're going to have what, to, they're gonna have to move some games to September. I understand that, but that's without even looking at the September schedule as it is now, as as Eric mentioned, some of the teams are already playing in September. They are Big Ten teams, yeah. Yeah, and and uh, the last thing I was going to say was, um, um, oh, what the heck was it? <laughs> well, you got Notre Dame right there. They, they, could, they could easily fit in Purdue or Michigan State or, or Northwestern or Illinois. You know, I mean, they need to fit in games, but then of course they're not in the same conference. But what a mess! <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it being a mess, and it could get messier before it's all said and done. We'll just have to kind of stay tuned and see how it plays out. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I think well, yeah, uh, the thing you brought up before the show is: Are they going to completely change the schedule, or are they going to leave the schedule the way it is and then move a few games up into September? Right. That's what we don't know. We don't know that. And how hard would it be to to do a complete overhaul of a schedule at this point? 
I think it'd be very it's, difficult. Yeah. Hey, Eric, appreciate the call. All right. Thanks, guys. You bet. Let's go to Alan in Montrose. Good morning, Alan. You're on Saturday Sports Talk. Morning, guys. Uh, wouldn't you think Indiana would be a better uh, choice to have come to Illinois? Since it's going to have to be somebody from the other conference. Well, they're already playing Indiana. If the schedule holds up, if they play the games, the schedule as it is now, they already play Indiana. They play at Indiana. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. That blows that out of the water. So you're you're looking <laughs> at you're either looking at Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, or Maryland. Right. And it surely won't be Penn State or Maryland with that distance. So you would think it'd be Michigan or Michigan State, but that's a uh, guess. That is certainly not. And that's if they keep the the game scheduled the way they are, or at least the opponents. They might have to redo some of the dates. They might mm-hmm. keep the same opponents and say, okay, we're going to move this October schedule up to to uh, mid September or early September to to build in that window. So they're. They got us guessing, don't they? I'll tell you what, there's, there's some computer doing some <laughs> some overtime work this weekend, I think. It's going to be extremely hard for Illinois to have a winning season now. Well, it's not as easy as it was. I'd say, I, I say it was oh. favorable toward Illinois before. But, um, you know, if, if you consider that the three of the worst teams in the country we were going to play right off the bat, and then you go to, against a uh, Rutgers team that has lost 21 consecutive Big Ten games. Then you play a Nebraska team, which is having, which is 13 and 23 the last three years, and now they're they've had a number of guys to leave them this off season for some reason. They've they're having all kinds of problems at at uh, Nebraska, and then you got Purdue. So I don't know what the odds are of, would have been going six and zero, but Steve. It, would, it was possible. You sound like I Bob Osmussen. Well, I know, I know I'm being overly optimistic, but I'm, I mean, you, you certainly were a competitor in every game, and you were going to be a favorite in the first four, yeah. and then the next two would might be toss-ups. And the back end of the schedule was a, well, going to be the killer either it's way. It's tougher, <laughs> yeah. Anything else, Alan? Uh, I'm just afraid, guys, college sports is worst or best. is never going to be the same. Well, you never know. I wouldn't say that. A few years down the road. But it's too bad that we're losing so many other sports right now. And you are facing a situation that football pays the bills, and we haven't seen yet how many teams will be lost before this is over. Because right now we know one thing for sure. Nobody's going to make as much money as they thought they were in football this season. Nobody. They're all going to make less. And that's going to be really tough on the minor sports, on the non-revenue sports. What's going to happen to the teams like uh, Eastern Illinois and Northern Iowa and like that? Are they going to be able to survive to even have a football football team in the near future? Well, I don't know. Good uh, question. Northern Iowa. I don't, is very, I don't think anybody has the answer. Northern Iowa, there's they're really concerned. Yep. they're very upset over what's been ha- yep. what's happened. The whole but the whole. The MAC is dependent on on the Big Ten for games and and for supporting their programs. I mean, they they play games that that uh, are built just for uh, the economic side of it. Alan, thanks for the call. We're going to continue this conversation coming up with Tom Deanhardt in uh, just a minute or so on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take our first break and be back with more. Stay with us. And Saturday Sports Talk continues. We're with you until 11 o'clock. Phone line is open, 356-9397. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. 
lot to talk about this week. We've uh, done it, Mr. Tate, for what, 14, 15 weeks now, talking sports with no games. Certainly been a lot of news. Been no shortage of news. <laughs> no shortage of news. And then the Big Ten making the news this week on Thursday, dropping as what uh, Lauren called a bombshell on the world of college football and fall sports, saying the Big Ten is going to go conference only. Tom Deanhart from over in West Lafayette uh, joins us. Tom is with the Rivals side over there, blackandgold.com. Good morning, Tom. How are you, my friend? Good. It's always fantastic to talk. To the roof and Gehrig. <laughs> Which one's cleanup hitter? Lord's the cleanup hitter. I, I, I just try to get on base for him. <laughs> Great one-two punch. Well, you had a nice uh, one punch this week. You're a little bit ahead of the uh, Big Ten announcement on conference games. Uh, let's get your thoughts on on how this is going to play out, if anybody knows, but. Uh, Let's start with the schedule. Do you anticipate the nine conference games that are on everybody's schedule going into the 2020 season? Will those remain the same, and then there'll be a game added? Steve, I I, I don't think so. I think they're going to nuke everybody's schedule, and they're they're rebuilding it. That's my feeling. That's what I think is going to happen. So so what you see in front of you now, it was printed – Back in the spring, again, um, I think they're going to scrap all those and start over here. And you know what, guys? I wouldn't be shocked if when they do, quote-unquote, announce the new schedules for each team, that maybe they only announce two or three games for each team. I think they want a lot of flexibility. They want to be nimble. They want to be able to change games and opponents and dates if they need to. So, again, that's why I don't think you're going to see maybe a locked-in release schedule that features, you know, ten games right off the bat. What does that mean for the for the people at these at these uh, that that put these games on at these different schools? I mean, is it that easy to just change from week to week? Well, Lauren, nothing's going to be easy or normal as we as we found out the last three or four months with the life we've had to leave. So, no, it's not, it's not going to be easy. I don't envy people who have to deal with logistics as far as stadiums go, setting up travel, and all those type of things. Uh, but, again, you know, if, if they want to play football this year, <clears throat> they can continue to try to do all they can to make it happen. And this, and this may be one of those things that has to happen, just a, a very, you know, uh, <clears throat> undefined schedule to start with, a schedule, like I said, that they may have to build as they go along because, as we know, guys, this virus could crop up at Minnesota, Iowa. Maybe they get whacked one week and they can't play. And they're supposed to play Illinois, what happens, so on and on you go with the scenario. So, again, I think they want all the flexibility that they can get uh, in the schedule, and that's why I don't think they're going to try to cobble together a locked-in-stone 10-game schedule for everybody. Well, now that I think about it, since you mentioned it, maybe that would be easier just to start from scratch and because uh, it would be awful tough logistically to uh, – to, to plug a game in uh, for in, into a schedule that has nine games already. And, and for a lot of people, including Illinois, I haven't looked at Purdue's schedule. I don't know if they play somebody in the Big Ten in September or, or scheduled to, but Illinois does not have a Big Ten game scheduled until the first weekend in October. So it'd be, yeah, be yeah. kind of tough to get that done. Well, they got to rebuild September. Yes. Yeah, well, Purdue, Purdue was supposed to open in Nebraska September 5th, which would have been a great game. And you're right. They're going to have to – like I said, I think – I don't know officially on this. Just from people I've talked to and my guess is, is again, that that's probably what's going to happen here. 
They're going to scrap what's already been constructed, rebuild it, and like I said, uh, the opponent's probably going to be different. And, again, we may only see two or three games released initially at a time here whenever the schedule does get released. So you're right. You know, Illinois takes a big hit not playing those non-conference games. I was, I was looking at everybody's non-conference opponents, and I think Illinois and Indiana are probably most hurt because I think it's safe to say, you know, no offense here, guys, but the non-conference schedule for Illinois did not look too daunting. No, it, it was a it was a big opportunity for Illinois to start four and zero with Rutgers being the yeah. fourth game, and and you know, and, and I just mentioned to Steve, Nebraska and Purdue right behind would, would be what I would call pretty much toss up games. I don't think Nebraska's yep. the team that they used to be, and I don't know if we can count on rain this this year against Purdue, <laughs> but if we can get some rain, we got a chance to beat Purdue too. <laughs> that's, the last, that's, the last, that's the last time I talked to you guys. <laughs> Press box at Ross, that was a quagmire, on wasn't it? Many I've ever been a part of. So, yeah, just a crazy year, you know, fellas. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I don't want to be a negative Nelly or a wet blanket, but, boy, uh, I find it more difficult to believe with each passing day we're going to be able to pull this off. Um, what, we all know what could potentially happen. If it doesn't, I don't want to even think about the financial ramifications that that's really going to hit some of these universities. Is this going to affect uh, television income in, in some way? I mean, I – I know that uh, they, they, when they're out selling the games, they'd like to know who's playing. And I, right now, uh, it's so in, indefinite. I don't know how the salesmen are, are operating for the, for the TV stations. And it's tough. The only thing you could tell somebody if you were selling ads for Fox Sports or whatever, hey, you're going to get a Big Ten game, period. Yeah. You're not, not going to get Morgan State against Northwestern or Monmouth against Rutgers. Okay. So your inventory your, your inventory is going to be all Big Ten games, which is good. And who knows, guys? They may come right out of the gate with Ohio State and Michigan. Maybe they have Illinois playing Northwestern. Who knows? Maybe Illinois and Northwestern play twice, and Indiana and Purdue play twice. I mean, anything could happen here. And it's going to be fascinating to see how, uh, how the schedule gets constructed and what actually ends up happening. What do you see in the post uh, postseason? Do you see playoff? Do you see bowl games? No idea. But if I were to guess, you know, uh, I kind of think of it as triage or flotsam and jetsam. What are you going to throw off the boat first to stay afloat? And I think the belt bowls of the world and Poulin weed eater bowls, I, I'd be hard-pressed to think those take place. But I think you want to do all you can to at least get the playoff in. But, again, who knows where we're going to be in January, right? Um, I think you want to plan on all the bowls taking place. Then you have to come up with, well, how do you get bowl eligible this year if you only play 10 games, right? How many games do you have to win? How do you fill bowl slots? But I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I think you want to plan for every bowl to take place, uh, make some adjustments, figure out how you qualify for a bowl. Uh, but then if you have to, if things get crazy, if they're dicey, uh, maybe if you're lucky you can at least get in maybe the playoffs. Well, spring football was – one thing that uh, was on the table, at least for consideration, which, you know, I'm not crazy about, but nobody's asking me. But if they did try to do it in the spring, then you're talking about the potential of having these guys play 24 games in a calendar year if they go on to next season as normal. And that, that seems awful tough. I'm not sure how you could pull that off. You want to talk about bad optics, Steve? Uh, to me, that's bad optics. Yeah. I, don't think, I, I don't think you can ask unpaid college football players 
as you said, play upwards of 18 to 24 games in a calendar year. You know, I, I don't have a real issue with the professionals making a big run at this, the NFL, the baseball players. You know, the NFL, those are men making millions of dollars who are in a job who are represented by a union. Here we're talking about 18 to 22-year-old student athletes, right? They're not employees. And to have them throw them out there to play so you can finance your athletic department under those circumstances to play upwards of 24 games in a calendar year to me, you know, they could probably do it. But, again, the optics don't look good, especially in this day and age where the welfare of student athletes has been pounding in everybody's head time and again the last couple of years or so. Tom, uh, you're close to Purdue. What does this mean for the minor uh, sports, the non-revenue sports, and what does it mean uh, for the for the department financially? Has there been cutbacks? Do you see cutbacks, or uh, what, 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 what's going to take place in that regard? You know, I think we, we've talked to Mike Bobinski, the AD. I want to say he estimated they're going to have about a 10 I don't know what I can't remember the exact shortfall on about. I think about 10% of their budget they were guesstimating was going to have to be trimmed. Um, Purdue's a school that doesn't have a lot of fat to begin with. They sponsor among the fewest number of sports of anybody in the Big Ten. Uh, and, and Bobinski at this point didn't plan on having to cut any sports. But the potential for furloughs or layoffs within the athletic department are on the table or positions not being filled and possibly some salary reductions. I will say this, nobody stepped forward in the athletic department to offer up a salary cut. I thought maybe we'd see Jeff Brown and Matt Painter do that. Um, but, again, nobody's offered, offered that up at this point. So um, Purdue shouldn't be devastated by it totally like as much as some schools. But, again, it's going to be some, some painful decisions that have to be made at every place. Another minute or two with Tom Deanhart. What if football – goes down, so to speak, for lack of a better term. What does that mean for the spring sports and basketball, winter sports and such? Uh, it'd be a tough uh, tough precedent to set that uh, if your breadwinner goes down that uh, you come back and try to play some other things. Yeah, no football, guys. I'm going to move to Champaign and have to get a job working at that Marianne's Diner there <laughs> right, right, right by campus. <laughs> I, don't, you know, I, I don't know. You know, you got to think – how is this going to be any better in December and January when it's cold right. and flu season and well, you're indoors trying to play sports? Um, I don't know. You know, I, you guys were like me. You probably watched some of the TBT this, this summer, that basketball mm-hmm. tournament. You, you watched the House of Pain or whatever it was called. I watched the Men of Mackey. And, you know, they had no fans in the stands. And I thought it was a pretty good experience, to be honest with you. And may, maybe they could pull it off, guys. You know, basketball involves so so more few people. Uh, maybe you could really isolate guys during the whole season, have them live in the same dorm, eat together, have your tutors live there as well, have them travel on the same bus, all the personnel together. So maybe there's a way you can really control that environment and all that personnel because it's so much smaller than football. But I don't know, you know, if football goes down, it's hard for me to envision, you know, the, the winter sports taking place. And I will say this real quick, guys, you know, the Ivy League's decision to already cancel everything. Well, yes, they don't have the financial stake that the Big Ten has. But you guys know the heft of the Ivy League, and whatever they say and do carries a lot of weight with those presidents that sit in the big leather chairs in Champaign and West Lafayette and Iowa City. Should they have to press the nuclear button on the Big Ten season, 
you know, I think the fact the Ivy League's already done it has to make those guys that were the mortarboard feel a little bit better if they have to make that decision on guys at Harvard and Yale have already done it. Well, it's not uh, good to see the amount of uh, upswing, uptick in, in terms of uh, coronavirus around the country. This is not good. I, I, I see where one-fifth of all the football programs in the country reside in California, Florida, Texas, and, and uh, those three states. One-fifth of yeah. all those teams in there, all those states are in deep trouble from a virus standpoint. So I don't know where we're headed. I think we just go one day at a time. That's all you, hey, Lauren, that's the advice that I'm told time and again. You know, we can drive yourself crazy looking over your shoulder yesterday. You can drive yourself crazy looking toward tomorrow and just stay in the here and now and do the next right thing and and uh, things will turn out like they're supposed to. Hey, Tom, one day at a time has worked pretty well for Lauren, so we'll just, uh, we'll, you and I can adapt hey, that. Hey, and real we'll... Quick. Yeah, real quick, I... I keep I, I keep getting told these these fabulous Lauren Tate stories about what a great athlete you were. Oh brother, I get better with the with each day that nobody can remember, right? The stories get better too. I hear you. They always say the older you get, the faster you ran as a boy, right? Yep, uh, absolutely. Tom, good to talk to you as always, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Thanks for taking time with us. You know I love talking. Be good, guys. You too. Thanks, Tom. Tom Deanhart with uh, GoldenBlack.com, Purdue Rivals on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take a time out here as we approach the bottom of the hour. We'll talk with Illini tennis coach, men's tennis coach, Brad Dancer after this. Stay with us. Moving up on 934, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 today. The phone line is open, 356-9397. Plenty to talk about. We'll talk more Big Ten Fall Sports uh, coming up as we move our way uh, through the show. If you'd like to join us, 356-9397 is the number. Let's welcome into the program Brad Dancer, men's tennis coach. Anything going on with you these days, Brad? Uh, good morning, Steve. Good morning, Lauren. How are we doing, guys? We're doing pretty good, trying to figure things out as you are as well. Tell us um, where you guys stand right now as far as your players, when they get back and such? Is everything kind of on hold for their return? Every, everything's a little bit on hold. We've got a few guys that are here in town, uh, you know, working out on their own. Um, and then, you know, I think right now, obviously, Illinois is trying to manage uh, the fall sports return to protocol with football and the basketballs and, uh, and then soccer and, and the other fall sports. So I think we're a little bit down the totem pole when it comes to, to priority, and we certainly understand that's, that's probably where we belong at this point. You, you uh, historically have played some fall tennis. So is that officially off the table this year, and given the fact that you uh, will not be playing uh, um, conference foes in the fall? Yeah, well, I was needed to say that was one of the first questions we asked the other day with the announcement. And um, so the Big Ten and, and the the, uh, the FWAs are meeting this week to, I think, have further dialogue about those sports to have non-traditional seasons in the fall, tennis being one of those. And so we're going to wait for some guidance in the Big Ten uh, probably sometime in the middle of this week and, and know a little bit more. And then from there we'll kind of, you know, I've, I've reached out to a few of the coaches in the conference. If, if it is a, a Big Ten mandate only, then we'll – Try to do something with the with the schools that are that are local, and uh, and if, and we also expect that it could be you know no no sports. So I think anything's on the table, and and again I think you know the the big thing that we saw in the release the other day is you know everybody's talking about Big Ten only, but the the first sentence was if 
if we resume competition, right. it'll be Big Ten only. And so I, I think there's a lot of question marks, needless to say, at this point. Well, the first thing I think about that is you could schedule an, a match with uh, Illinois State. That would be easily done. I mean, they're very, very near. And, and yet uh, we can't play Illinois State in football. Does that mean you can't play them in, basketball, in tennis, even though you don't have any contact with them in a tennis match? Yeah, I think, again, it's, you know, it's one of those things where we're trying to find solutions that, uh, that are one size fit all that probably doesn't work across the different sports. But at the same time, you know, this is obviously so much bigger than sports that, you know, I think we're all, we're all sort of recognizing where we stand at the moment, which is really far down the, the uh, priority list in terms of, of public health and safety. And so that's, that's what's tricky about it. Yes, we, I can get out there and argue and say, hey, tennis is – not dangerous or, or you know, safe or whatever you want to say. And the reality is, is it just I think at this point, it still really doesn't matter when we're looking at, at overall public health. Do you uh, normally work on scheduling for the spring at this time of year? I mean, would you have that pretty well set? And what are you doing in that regard when you have limitations maybe on travel and, and the kind of trips you can make? Yeah, so we're actually about three or four years out for our spring Ooh. schedule. Uh, we always kind of say about three or four years out. And so uh, with that, uh, we've had a couple of adjustments already, not on our end, but on other schools. And then what we're, when I reached out to all of our schedule and said, hey, we're, don't, don't do what you're doing this. Let's just wait and see. And, uh, and we're waiting to see on the phone. You know, I talked to Janet Rayfield the other day, and, and they haven't made any You know, out until this announcement about Big Ten only, they had not made any changes to their schedule. And, and they're obviously you know, six weeks away from, from, from a uh, season. So I think we're going to be patient and continue to wait and see how things play out. Okay. Well, uh, you and I had a discussion the other day about foreign players and uh, international players, as you call them. You've got a couple on your team, I guess. Uh, What's the status of, of, I mean, first of all, is it true that two-thirds of all the players in Division One are international? It's true. That's true. In Division One men's tennis and, and women is really close to that number. So, that's uh, needless to say, I've got every coach around the country wondering what's going to happen uh, with their team. Are you having any uh, issues with visas and getting people back here? Or, uh, no you, question. So, right now, our, one of our student athletes he's back in France, and uh, and he's at the moment you know not allowed not allowed back in the U.S. and the U.S. citizens are not allowed in France. So it's uh, you know we're at a standoff at the moment. The other tricky thing for them is, is the online component. So if you're an international student, you cannot take an online curriculum and have a U.S. visa and be in the U.S. So our international students need labeled in person. Otherwise, they're not allowed to be in the U.S. And that's one of the really tricky components right now that, uh, that as a number of these schools are looking at the other options, they have in regards to their international students. Talking to Brad Dancer, Illini men's tennis coach. What has happened to the U.S. interest by young people in the game of tennis? If you're talking about 75% of collegiate golf is international, has there been a big dip in the interest of uh, American kids taking up the game of tennis? You know, it's, a, it's a great question. We've got some, some great players out there, which, which is true. But, you know, when you go back to the heydays of, you know, what kind of got me drawn to tennis was the Borg, McEnroe, Connors. You know, tennis was sort of in its heyday back then. Um, and then following up on that, you had the Sanford Agassiz, which were big personalities, winning, winning grand slams, and, and I think continuing the interest. And really since 
those guys, you know, Andy Roddick won the U.S. Open in 2003. That's the last U.S. Grand Slam champion we've had. And so, you know, I always say, you know, I always think of generations, so in 15, 20 years, but I feel like generations are almost five years in young kids' minds. Like, they can't remember anything from five years ago. So, you know, being 2003, the last U.S. Grand Slam champion is, is uh, tough to maintain and, or even grow interest if, if there's nobody representing. And that's just where we've been, unfortunately. Well, uh, Brad, uh, do you see uh, any major discussions uh, at how to maybe uh, take advantage of tennis in terms of finances? In other words, television, I guess that's what we're talking about. Uh, if you get, if you had some television income, you could you could basically support your own program. Is uh, is that in the works? Uh, more television for tennis. T- it works at the pro level. Uh, you, I think you mentioned that the women are the are the most uh, viewed. Uh, the tennis players are the most viewed sports among women. No, no question. And, and so they've, they've got it there. Uh, you know, the, the trickiest component of it is tennis is a little bit like wrestling or boxing where um, you talk a lot about the individual matchups and how offensive defense, defense uh, counteract one another, and then you get to the rivalries and so forth. And when you have a team college tennis match, you're trying to tell 12 of those stories at the same time. And so I think that's you know, the intimacy of the broadcast is a little bit tricky what we're trying to figure out. But I think, Lauren, you hit the nail on the head. If we're going to thrive, not just survive, if we're going to thrive as college tennis, we've got to figure out a way to, to I think, get our product on TV and monetize our product. If you monetize it, then it's going to be really tough to grow in the future. What what have you done so far in that regard? I, I know that uh, you, you shortened the matches up to this point, but maybe not enough, huh? I, I think you're exactly right. So we made this scoring format change a few years ago, and that and that dropped match times an hour. That was fantastic. That was a great move. Uh, you know, the next thing I, I, I think again, you've got to figure out a way to use you know whether it's a drone camera or whether it's a robotic camera or something that you know, right now to have a good tennis telecast. I always feel like you need close-ups, right? You got to have the, the, the real look at the players' eyes before they serve or before they return, and really get a feel for their emotions and so forth. Well, to do that. You've got to have five, six cameramen out on one court. And, and needless to say, the logistics and the expenses involved in that, you know, right now the income can't justify that. But if we can get those to be robotic and from a central control room, uh, to me that's one of the things we keep looking at is the cost of those types of, of cameras and how we can help that in a production. Brad Dancer, we appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for uh, visiting with us and hang in there, and hopefully we'll talk to you soon. You guys, thanks so much for having me on. Be safe. You bet. Brad Dancer, men's tennis coach at the University of Illinois. 9.43 is the time. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Have you been by the Pella Window Store at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign lately? They are back open for business at the regular hours, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Mike Mary and the folks there at the Pella Window Store have been assisting homeowners and businesses around here for a long time. They do it the right way. As you probably know, if you've gone through this before of replacing windows or doors, there are a lot of things to consider, things like security, comfort, convenience. Well, the Pella Window Store has all kinds of examples on the showroom floor and several styles and price ranges for you to look through, or you could go online and check them out as well at PellaofChampagne.com. They've got a lot going on there, but uh, they'll take care of your window and door needs. Again, they're open for regular hours, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 at 1001 North Country Fair Drive, the Pella Window Store, Illini Pella Windows and Doors. We'll take a timeout. 
Back with more of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. 946-356-9397 is our phone number. If you'd like to join us, open line until 10 o'clock, at which time in hour number two, we'll talk things over with Illini golf coach Mike Small. Coming up at 1030, Scott Nagy will join us. He's the head basketball coach going into his fourth season at Wright State University over in Dayton, Ohio. So we'll get caught up with him as well. We've talked about uh, the Big Ten announcement of Thursday of playing uh, fall sports against conference opponents only. If you're just tuning in, we talked with uh, Tom Deanhart from Purdue, the Purdue Rivals site, and he felt that the way to go, or maybe the easiest way when you think about it, might be just to start over on the Big Ten schedule, disregarding what we've seen for a year, year and a half as the, what this schedule is going to be like, and uh, and start it and move some games into September and leave some wiggle room. Well, you've got the whole month of September to move games into, and you're going to have to use September. You can't let those four weekends go by, and, and uh, I would think that... Uh, I think we might have hit on something there, uh, we're guessing. You know, Matt Daniels, sports editor of the News Gazette, had a good idea, I thought. We talked about it a couple of times. He said, how about just playing your divisional Mm -hmm. opponents twice? Play them home and away. Oh, wow. That'd be 12 games, wouldn't it? Be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, well, you could do that, home and away. You know, their games would draw. I I think if Illinois played, uh, let's say Illinois played – Purdue twice, once here and once there. Mm-hmm. I, I think both same games. with Indiana. Same well, Indiana's in the well, other Indiana's division. Indiana's in the other division. But Northwestern would be a natural game to play if we, yeah. you know. But but I I doubt that they would do that. But I think that uh, it's it would cer- certainly make sense. But we know they're going to go to ten games. We know they want the cushion. We know they want the flexibility to be able to stop a game. You know, to call off a game and play it later. So they're going to have open dates in there for that purpose. And uh, this is all new to me. Well, I mean, when you were talking about the logistics of it and, and such, the good thing about football is you don't have to worry about the stadium being used for something else. No, <laughs> There's nothing else going to be booked you're in a football. You're going to drive Hegemeyer crazy. Well, you are. You're going to drive ticket managers <laughs> we better, crazy. We better get him on next week and talk about well, tickets again. We should. And because you can't sell you tickets. Go, to, I guess you go generic. you got – this amount, this number of tickets, that is assuming there's fans even allowed in. We don't even know if that would be the case. No, but it looks like uh, they're planning on. Right, 12,000. Yeah, around 12,000 right now. I guess you go and to a generic ticket. Okay, here's here's the schedule. We've got these tickets. And if you're a season ticket holder, you're not going to get the whole season one, probably. The, the one thing about it is when you start talking about that, you're talking about all good games. There's a lot of people that didn't want to watch Illinois play Bowling Green. Sure. I mean, they, they just didn't. And that every game that they would play now it would be a Big Ten game. I think that the interest would be much higher and much better for TV. Let's go back uh, to the phones. We do have the line open, and Marty down in Pinehurst is with us this morning. Good morning, Marty. Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. You, you kind of took my thunder, Lauren, and I understand the point of keeping open dates, but I think it make. It'd be one that's in a lifetime opportunity to play home and home in football inside the division, have a true division champ. Well, uh, I like the idea, but I don't think it's being considered. I I think that no, they're. No, it's a tragedy. Yeah, I think that the, I think the health and safety 
factor is is very much is very strong in this from the standpoint of the people that are running the show and they want to yeah. they want to be able to first of all they want to make sure everybody is on the same uh, plane in terms of how they treat the tests Safety and everything protocols yes yeah. and and the protocols right and so now uh, you know maybe when we saw that Bowling Green had dropped baseball now it had since been re, you know since they've uh, got a million dollar donation, they're going to play for at least the next two years. But point is that they were in all kinds oh, yeah. of financial trouble and maybe not able to do the amount of testing that the, the Big Ten would deem oh, yeah. appropriate. So that, yeah, I, I understand the safety protocols and why they went to conference. I understand that argument. And I know they want the open dates, but it'd sure be great to play home and home of football one time to see what it was like in the division to cut down on travel, cut down on travel expenses. Uh, be interesting. It but would work. It would work. I really believe it would work. Yeah, I think it would be. I think it would be doable. But anyway, they're not going to listen to me, so it doesn't matter. Um, the uh, what do you think, uh, Steve and Lawrence, so far about uh, how baseball is doing? I think they're going to get started, and I think because they have a sixty-man roster, basically they can use that they may get through sixty games. That's my thinking on it. Anyway, where are you guys at? Yeah, I, I agree that they'll get started. I'm not so sure. I've, I've given a lot of thoughts about the 60-man roster. That's a good point. Um, certainly they would have an, enough potential players and or pitchers certainly to, to get that done. I, I'm not totally convinced they'll get finished with it, though. I, I think they'll get started, and it'll be interesting to see how it goes. So many players are, are just raising questions whether or not they should play. I mean, Posey fought with that thing for two weeks oh, yeah. and finally decided not to play. And, and we're seeing right. some of that in football, too. Guys, are, the more they sure. think about it, the more they think about it, the more dangerous it seems. And, and um, but, but, Lauren, that's okay because there's a lot of young guys that would love an opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, and a lot of young guys that can't, uh, can't afford to do that. Posey's made his that's right. $100 million oh, yeah. dollars over, his, that's right. over time, so yeah, he can I'm take a year off. Sorry for, I'm not going to worry about him financially at all. So who's your Cardinals designated hitter in the first game? Well, personally, I think it has to be Carpenter unless they're throwing an awful good lefty because I I like Tommy Edmonds' defense a lot better at third base. That's just me. It's hard to say, Steve, because they've got other guys that could that could play D. They've got lots of guys that could be at DH because – these days, there are no more David Ortiz's other than maybe Nelson Cruz. There aren't many guys that are just DHs anymore. You know, all these teams want to rotate people to keep them fresh, but do you have to keep anybody fresh in a 60-game schedule? <laughs> I think you better look out for Milwaukee because he's got 30 guys for two weeks and then 28, 26. He's going to be able to run all those pitchers out there like he does in September every year. And they know how to do that, and that, that worries me a little bit. But anyway... I think Carpenter. Where are you at? I just want to hear the crack of the bat. I want to hear some games being played and watch some games, whether there's anybody there or not. But uh, I think they do have flexibility. I think you could use uh, you could use Goldschmidt in that role some. Oh yeah. Give him a, a day such, off. Such a good first baseman. He is. You're right about that. And that, they've, they've got other guys. You got Tyler O'Neill. That you know whether he's in the outfield or not. And what do you do with Carlson and? But all the ball clubs I, have the same I claim, kind of questions. That's just me. I, I would, play him and I sit, and I sit Fowler. That's what I do. 
they probably field. need to even in a 60 game schedule they don't they need to keep uh carlson out for a little while at least or do they got to wait till they get they into do the, if they don't want to use a year up but here's the other point i'd make do you really think they're going to keep that year in the next collective bargaining agreement good point i don't think so yeah i think it's going to get lowered anyway so I play to win in a 60-game schedule. I, I like Carlson an awful lot, and he's better out. He's a better hitter and outfielder than Fowler is right now, period. I don't think it's even debatable after watching him in spring training. Sure. All right, good Marty. News, there is one bit of good news. You're not going to have to pay a lot of Fowler's salary this year because it's prorated, so it'll be easier to get rid of it. That's one way to look at it. Hey, pre- appreciate your call, word. my friend. Take care. Oh, Lauren, I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you remember the Valentine family in Monticello? Yes. Because my mother's name is Barbara Valentine. Well, I certainly remember the family, but, you know, the only yeah. problem they, is they I, have, lived on center, I have They lived on Center Street. Yeah, I did yeah. too. I lived on Center, but uh, I haven't lived there for 70 years. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. <laughs> She was the she was the homecoming queen of Monticello <laughs> High School, I think, in '55. Okay, uh, Laura knew her then. <laughs> yeah. No, I knew the family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Her older brother might have been closer to Mose might have been closer to your age. Yes, he was. He was in school with me. Yep. Yeah, I thought so. Okay. All right. All right. Take Thank care, you. guys. Yep. See you, Marty. Bye-bye. Thanks for taking us down memory lane in Monticello. I get occasionally get a. Uh, Somebody saying, hey, you're from Ohio, aren't you? I said, yeah, but I've lived here longer than I have, twice as long as I lived there. I lived there the first 19, 20 years of my life and didn't go back pretty much over the course of time. Got the phone line open, 9.55 is the time, 356-9397. If you missed it uh, yesterday afternoon, the House of Pain didn't have a good game. Say the least. They just couldn't shoot well early, and they just made a lot of turnovers, made mistakes early, and just got so doggone far behind. Okay, I've known you a long, long time, <laughs> 40 years. And since day one, you've been talking about how to end basketball games. This is the way to do, do it. Do you like this? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%? 100%, yes. I, I, don't, I just don't like the fouling. The I intentional agree with that. Fouling, that's... I think that we should just continue to play basketball. Well, it takes away some of the what turned out to be historic moments in basketball, college basketball, on buzzer-beating shots. You know, Christ, you know Christian no Leitner shot. No more buzzer beaters. Nope. You still have a shot that wins the game. Yeah. At 82 or whatever the mm-hmm. uh, Elam ending score is. But I'm kind of with you. Uh, I'm not sure I'm as well, sold they're on not, it. They're not going to do it, right? But, but I, I just like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they might they might do it for some non-conference games, or they might do it. I just don't think the leagues will will pick it up. But it's it's awful drastic change. But yeah. I, I I really like it. That final score was a Red Scare eighty three, House of Pain seventy six. But when the uh, Elam ending went into effect at the four minute mark, they were nineteen down. Yeah, and they made a bunch of it back. Yeah, it got to be a little bit interesting. Red, Red Scare really got tight. Yeah, they, they just weren't getting any good shots and weren't getting anything close. You didn't think it was going to happen until they got to within two possessions. Yeah, and they they got to a point where they they just needed two threes to win the game. Yeah, and they couldn't hit them. Badal missed two late threes himself. Yeah, he looked tired. I think uh, 
And I think the he lack was of, guarded. Yes, he was. And the <laughs> lack of depth. Or they didn't have much coming off the bench. No, they didn't. And uh, that's something they can rectify next year. But they won a couple of games, and I found myself watching all three of them. Yep. I'm, I'm sure a lot of uh, Illinois fans did as well. So my question is, can you watch college basketball that way for a whole season? Yes. The announcers weren't there, which yes. most people may not have even noticed or cared about. They were in working in Indianapolis. I can definitely watch basketball that way. I mean, that's where we are. We don't have any choice. And by the way, that's the way things are going to work um, in Major League Baseball. The home announcers will not travel. Mm-hmm. They will call the games on radio and on TV, the regular guys, but on away games for their ball clubs, the Cubs, Cardinals, whatever, they will be in their home city. And you know who's got a really tough call? Kent Brown, because he's got to make a decision on who can come to the home games. Not everybody that's been coming and sitting in the press box, True. packing the press box, is going to be packing the press box anymore. They're going to, have, they're going to be spread out and there are going to be fewer people. And on the broadcast side, they'll be working with uh, the, the folks at Learfield IMG College. And uh, we had a communication from them this week about how things might work, but uh, a lot of questions yet to be answered. But it could be a similar situation where uh, the visiting team's broadcasters get a feed and you'll work the game from another location. They didn't say that was going to happen, but certainly if Major League Baseball is doing something like that, then that would be on the table for discussion at least. Yeah. I, I Again, that's another one of, those, one of those things we just have to wait and see. I don't know if I'll be allowed to even go to the games. They, they may want older people to stay away. Want me to write, write you a note or get you a doctor's <laughs> I don't know. Doctor's I, as pass. I said, it, it's going to be a tough decision for, uh, for uh, Kent because he's going to have to cut some people out that have been used to going to the games for a long time. 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. We're through hour number one of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take a time out and be back with hour number two after this. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show. We're heading towards 11 o'clock. Again, the phone line is open. It is moving up on 1004 now, lively first hour, we talked with Tom Deanhart over in West Lafayette about uh, the Big Ten's announcement this week of going to conference games and matches only in the fall. Brad Dancer spent a few uh, minutes with us, and we're kicking off hour number two with Illini golf coach Mike Small. Smalley, how are you this morning? Good morning, fellas. How are you guys doing? We're hanging in there trying to do uh, our weekly show getting through a couple of hours you know lauren full disclosure here i talked to smalley a couple of days ago about being on and he said you know what he said i don't really have much to talk about not much going on and uh, i said don't feel bad lauren and i've been doing that <laughs> for years <laughs> we've been winging it for years and uh, the last oh three or four months we've been doing uh, doing it without games to talk about but we're happy that you're taking time out of your practice schedule or what you normally be doing on saturday morning and uh, Certainly an interesting week, Mike, with uh, the word about Big Ten football and other fall sports. And uh, it just seems like each week something else comes about. And uh, we, we don't know a lot more than what we did before, but uh, there's a lot going on. And you guys normally play some fall matches. And, uh, how does that shape up? Do you know? 
Yeah, it changes every day, Steve. And like you said, we don't know. You know, we're we're just waiting for direction from the people above us to tell us what to do and how to proceed. And we had a Big Ten coaches call yesterday morning, uh, just trying to get our ducks in a row and come up with some hypotheticals in case you know different situations happen. How we're going to proceed with our with our fall season? Because even though we're termed a spring sport, almost half of our season is played in the fall because of weather. And it, it's really a, an advantage for northern programs to have that opportunity and and uh, there's some options, you know, they could, they could go status quo and just say play like you normally do, or they could you know, relegate us to an all big 10 schedule. Like they have this, the, the fall sports this fall, or they could theoretically say, you know, you're a spring sport. Uh, we're going to pull back. You're playing in the fall and, and squish everything into the spring, which would really shake up our schedule and how we've done things for many years. So a lot of moving parts, um, things change every day. Like I said before, the administrators have one heck of a job to figure this thing out and, handle all these different sports the way they're run the way they're competed and and um you know still still obviously get school in because that's the main reason why we're all here if it wasn't for academics we wouldn't have any of this so you can't can't look past that and give the kids the best chance to have a quality education too and and to learn in the classroom so a lot of things going on from my point of view we're just trying to get different answers to you know maybe proposed proposed uh situations they give us but we're just sitting back waiting as, as we have since the thing has started well that'd be a tough uh, nut for teams that um, if they say golf is a spring sport in the big 10 but not in other conferences and then then you get to spring and uh, those guys have all other uh, conferences have been playing in the fall and you're trying to uh, play for national prominence in a squished down schedule that'd be tough on on you wouldn't it well that's exactly right and that's what people understand about playing golf in the in the perceived midwest or north you know we you start in august or september you play in the fall four or five tournaments and you start up in the spring but we don't get outside and actually have really good weather here until maybe one or two weeks left in the season um guaranteed weather you know we can get out and play in march maybe some years or um april um depending on the weather but um it's amazing how you play all year and then when you start getting outside your season's almost over in the spring so if you put all that in the spring season for us um, we'd have some, we'd have some competition difficulties early in the year. We always, well, we, we always struggle in February and March when we travel down South and play against the Southern schools because they've been out playing for two or three months and we're you know, practicing inside and then heading down to play, but we've always had success. It's just a mindset that we've adopted and, and, um, you know, a mental toughness and something that I think helps our players evolve as, as players themselves. And, um, but the wins and losses that we accrue in the fall, um, have always been great for our our ranking and our seating because you're on an even playing field most of the time. The guys have been playing all, all fall and or all summer, and and um, you can compete evenly. But yeah, if, if if it goes to that, it'll it'll be tough. But again, as we're always taught and we practice in our program, you you know you 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 deal with what's thrown your way and you make the best of it and you go compete as hard as anybody. So we'll figure out a way. It's just going to be a different way of doing it. You know, Mike, uh, I see where uh, there's talk about a lot of the baseball, softball trips, in the, which are the same as the spring uh, go- uh, golf trips to the south for the good weather might be limited, at least limited, trimmed if not canceled. Uh, do you see the fact that do – do you see this falling over into uh, in golf as well? I mean, or would you maybe have to raise your own money through donations in order to go down there? Yeah, I've, I haven't heard that, Lauren, but it, you know that very easily could be said. And I don't know is, is the reason because of COVID, 
or is the reason because of budgets? Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are two different issues that we're trying to navigate through, and I think every school has a different different take on that. And I think both are obviously present big problems right now. I mean, you know, one's obviously the product of the other. Um, and budget-wise, you know, our, our program has been pretty solid over the years because of the donor involvement and the relationships we've built and the success we've had. So um, I would like to think that we still can stay competitive there. But if it's for travel restrictions based on COVID, I don't know what I don't know what's going to happen there. Again, we're at the mercy of what they tell us to do. And um, you know, if we can't travel in the spring, it's kind of hard to play golf up here in February and March. But you know, we'll like I said, we'll figure it out and do what they tell us to do, Lauren. And, and again, it can change tomorrow. It could change next week. It could change back again. You just never know. This thing is so fluid, and and um, it's just crazy, crazy times. Well, the the pro tour is back every week. We're watching it through Thursday through Sunday, so. I would think that would help people to understand that golf is doable because we're seeing it every week uh, on TV. Yeah, that that is the advantage, if you will, golf has is that it, it, you you can social distance in golf, and you can you can actually play a round of golf and never get within easily six feet of your opponent in college golf. It's just the travel. I think they're probably afraid of, and they're also. I think what affects every sport in college golf is that the administrators, the NCAA, kind of want to put everybody together and kind of follow the same rules when in in theory, the sports are different. You can't really follow the same rules in sport to sport, but um, you know it, they're just they're just so they're just so they run so differently. But yeah, we could we could uh, get this thing done if they wanted to let us. But again, um, we we don't make those decisions, and um, we'll just follow suit. How the, however they say you know, that we're going to do it, and whenever that decision is made. What about your own play? Are you are you able to stay in shape to play, and are you going to be playing some pro tournaments? Well, it falls in the same thing, Lauren. It's weird that we had. You know, one of the biggest events that I've played in over the years is the National Professional Championship, which is an event I've won three times, and it's all over the country, and it's play, it, it qualifies you for the PGA Championship, and then if you win it, you get a bunch of PGA Tour starts and things. And, and that was scheduled to be this coming week in Austin, Texas, and um, they just canceled it a week and a half ago uh, because of the COVID stuff. So my playing opportunities have kind of gone down because that kind of sets up the whole summer. And then at my age now, the Champions Tour um, that I've played on the last few years, um, has been shut down all year, and they don't start till the end of this month. And I'm hearing the rumblings that that might not happen as well. And the opportunities just aren't there to play. So there's some smaller events in the state that we can get out and play and stay competitive. And you know, again, at my age, this isn't the end all come all to get out and try to compete. But it is something that keeps me fresh and keeps me in the game. And I played a little one day event last week, and it just, it just, it just, it just um, reintroduces you to some of the emotions that go through in preparing and and uh, leading up to the first tee and then during the round, the adversity that helped me as a coach. It really does. It reinforces what these kids go through. And um, so playing on my side is not just not just playing as a professional, but it's obviously the advantages of a coach experiencing those feelings and emotions when you're competing that I can help coach my guys. And on the amateur side, they're all playing a lot this summer. There's uh, the, the, the amateur events around the country are opening up, and uh, we've had some guys play pretty well this summer, which is encouraging. And, um, um you know, so they're playing, but the pro side, it's just, it's a little iffy right now. The PJ Tour, all the money and effort's been put into the PJ Tour, which probably rightfully so should be. And then the Corn Ferry, where we've seen Nick Hardy playing well himself, is they're playing every week. So the Tour's kind of figured out how to do this, um, but they can because of the nature of the sport. And not surprisingly, we got the official word earlier this week about uh, the Ryder Cup, which was scheduled in September up at Whistling Straits with uh, Steve Stricker as the captain. That's being bumped to uh, next year. That was disappointing, but I tried to envision a Ryder Cup without fans, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same, would it? 
you can't have it. That's that's the, that's what missed. That's what separates it from any golf event in the entire world. I mean, you know, the majors and, and tour events have big fan bases and big crowds, but not so divisive or so, you know, you know, on, on each side of the fence as, as as a team match would. And that just gives it gives it everything that it's supposed to be. And if you've talked to anybody that's been to a Ryder Cup in the past, with the intensity and the noise and the, and the crowd infusing themselves into the matches, it's just a one heck of an experience. So I think. I think they realize that, that they can't do that. And uh, it's a shame they can't play this year. But, you know, Strick will be now the captain for, what, three years uh, in, in between the two. So, um, actually, the Ryder Cup is back on the odd years that it was before 9-11. So, it kind of, it's kind of swung back to where they have it on the odd number of years anyway. What about your tournament that you normally play in the fall at Olympia Fields? Is that, uh, I'm sure you had you had it scheduled, is that, as you know, right now, still on the schedule, pending what you might hear in the next few days. Yeah, well, again, I've spent yesterday. Uh, I'll be on the phone talking about that and coming up with hypotheticals. What happens if some, you know, if, if the rules are we're told to do something a different way? And uh, the national field again—it's one of the top three college events in all of America. And Olympia Fields does such a great job hosting it. Um, but if we go all Big Ten, that's going to seriously seriously compromise that event and, and a lot of it depends on what Olympia Fields wants to do um, you know they they have control really over the field and over the tournament it's where the where the university hosts the Olympia Fields runs it and their members and the board and they really get a kick out of that and obviously this year it's one month after the BMW championship which which um, Olympia Fields hosts in August so that's where all their time and effort is right now is trying to get that PGA Tour um, you know FedEx Cup Series event um, taken care of but once that's done obviously we're on we're on board to have this event up there steve we just don't know what the ncaa or the big 10 conference is going to allow us to do so we're coming up with different ideas how to handle it and um but right now we're we're 100 go and we're excited about it and i've talked to some coaches from the west coast and and the south and they're excited to come because those you know they haven't been they haven't been pushed on some on some on, um, you know schedule changes themselves so they're all ready to go and and um um, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, we'll go to Plan B. Well, Coach, what are the, what are the testing rules for the players when they come back? We haven't heard that yet. We have we don't know anything about that. And um, I would assume they would replicate a lot of what they're doing on the on, on the on the on the pro tours, except probably for the the level of it. But I think a lot of that's going to come down to the administrations and departments how to handle that. Um, to be honest with you, Lauren, we haven't got that far yet. We're trying to figure out even if we're, we're going to have one yet, and and then if it happens, I'm sure we'll follow the uh, the administrations and the, the institution's guidelines for that. So you've had some time to work on your game, but there's nowhere to go play. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. And um, it, it, it's weird, though. When you work on your game, you're, you're, you're playing and practicing. I've, I've had more fun in town playing with friends and just social golf than I've ever done since I've been coaching. I've, I've played more golf in Champaign probably now than I have last, I think, 10 or 15 years combined. And I'm seeing people, which is good, obviously social distancing, but you see them on the golf course and you say hi to them, but to not have a carrot waiting for you at the end, it's kind of hard to get focused on what you want to do. And um, the Illinois Open is in the first part of August, so they're going to have the Illinois Open, which is something that I've played in when I was younger and had one or a few times and had some success. So that's something to look forward to. Um, and then the Illinois PGA in August, and that's about all I have to look forward to, just some regional events and and uh, stay positive. But um, it is hard to go practice and play and compete, especially when you're used to competing as a, you know, in tournaments when there's nothing there motivating you to go. Another minute or two with Mike Small. Uh, ten days ago, almost two weeks ago now, uh, the U of I 
made the announcement of the uh, agreement with uh, Stone Creek to uh, turn that into the Atkins Golf Club. And I know that uh, that uh, the Atkins Golf Club at the University of Illinois would be the official name. I know that's a little bit further down the list with everything else going on, but uh, certainly uh, with hopes of getting that uh, opened next spring. Got to be an exciting time for you and what that means to your program. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, obviously, and we all know the gift was very generous from the Atkins family, and it's something that's going to have a positive effect on everybody that plays golf in this community and have a positive effect on our golf team. And um, But now the work begins. Now, the, you know, once the dust settles on this and, 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 and we have more meetings and they give us the go-ahead to do some things, then, then the work begins and and then it can take it can take form and take shape at, at what time and what, at what uh, speed. I don't know. I don't know yet, but um, uh, I've, one thing I've learned working at the university for 20 years, things happen very slowly. <laughs> and, uh, you just kind of wait and wait and then they tell you to go. And, um, but yeah, the opportunity there is to have something special. Now, again, the, 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 the pressure and the, and the, and the wherewithal to get it done and to execute it is a different story. And that's what we have to, you know, when that time comes, get, get on task and, and get it done. But right now, um, it's it's a heck, heck of an opportunity, and it's something that I think can benefit a lot of people. I was I was out walking the other day at Stone Creek, walking on the on the uh, cart pass there, and I had my golf architect hat on <laughs> because uh, Jackie told me, and you've mentioned to me too as well, that one of the things that might be done is to to find some length, maybe up to 500 more yards for the uh, back tees for the college players. And I was walking around trying to find out where you're going to do that on what, what holes. And uh, that'll be interesting for somebody to come up with. Yeah, it can be done. We've already looked at that because that was one of the things that we had to think about if we, you know, actually wanted to want to do something like this. And uh, um, I think, I think everybody's on the same page. If we, you know, we're going to do this and it's going to go through, it's got to be something different. It's got to be something that, that, um, progresses the advancement of of stone of, of the Atkins golf club and our golf programs and golf in the community and it's something that we got to make some changes and and um and you know progress the right direction so length is length is an asset we have to have it for college for our players to train and to play and if we're ever going to host an ncaa we have to have or an ncaa regional we have to have some length but i've said it a number of times and it is it is i'm 100 behind it that if we we, we got to add length but now still not not out uh, outpace the general public. We still have to have the the the, the fifty eight hundred, the sixty two hundred, the sixty three hundred, or sixty six hundred different sure. tee boxes, so different people at different levels to play. I think that's very 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 important because it's it's a recreation. People have to have fun enjoying it and playing it. And and uh, we are going to try to make it uh, difficult, more difficult for the teams and the players, but without without having it change and and just you know upgrading the condition and making it a little more fun to play for the amateurs, but not, uh, not, not difficult. So it can be done. It's been done all over the country. And that's something that's very important to us um, as, as this thing progresses. Have you, uh, have you decided on an architect yet or how, how close are you to, to bringing that person in? Um, that's still going through the process, Lauren. That is a, it's one of the slow processes we have to go through and there's a lot of hurdles and People have to sign off on a lot of things, I think. So, again, I'm not privy to those discussions right now where it is, but, um, you know, we're just – actually, the dust is still settling from the agreement, I think. So yeah. it's, um, this is this is in the administrator's hands right now. Just to be clear, I was not going to plan on playing from the 7,500-yard <laughs> tips of yeah, the uh, golf course. 
but I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I'll, I'll walk with you some, sometime out there and see what kind of architect, architectural <laughs> skills you actually have. I didn't say there were any skills involved. <laughs> I was just doing a little dreaming. Smalley, thanks for your time. Always good to talk with you. We'll do it again soon. All right, guys. Thanks. Take care. You bet. My golf coach, Mike Small at 1021. We'll take a break. Got a little open line segment if you'd like to jump in when we come back after this. 1023, Lanai Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11. Coming up at 1030, Scott Nagy will join us. He's the basketball coach at Wright State University, Champaign Centennial graduate. He's the all-time assist leader at Delta State, Delta State. University. And he's been uh, over in uh, Dayton. Actually, Wright State is in Fairborn, Ohio, which is... He's just a kid, Steve, but... He was at 21 years. He's just a kid who now has five kids. <laughs> he was at South Dakota State for 21 years, yes. and then he's been here at Wright State for four. He's with Illinois for two years. He was at Edwardsville for a couple of years. Then he was assistant at, uh, I mean, golly, how, he can't be out. He's surely not out of his 20s, is he? And he looks more and more every day like his dad you know that he, i'm guessing i haven't talked to scott in a few years but i'm guessing he's going to sound like him too well when we have him on here in a few minutes yeah in the meantime if you'd like to join us three five six nine three nine seven we've talked a lot about uh, the big tens announcement this week about conference only schedules in the fall i don't know what the over under is for the football season happening in any way shape or form but uh, i think a lot of people have it at under 50 percent but I guess nobody really knows. Well, I, you know, that's just a guess. Who knows? Sure. I mean, you know, I get Feinbaum keeps coming up with the idea that, that you know, he's really doubting it. Uh, and, you know, he's an SEC guy, so you'd think, he, you'd think that the SEC would play football no matter what. What's happening right now is that we've got two schools, two, two conferences, rather, that have decided that they will not play non-conference games, okay? Now you've got two more, Big 12 and ACC, that are going to decide – this coming Monday, Tuesday, whenever, this next week, man, oh, man, this is just going to destroy a lot of uh, mid-major schools that are dependent on those million-dollar payoffs, you know, or, or 600000 or whatever they are uh, to run their programs. And it's, it's all across the country. This is going to have devastating effect. And there were some great uh, non-conference games involving Big Ten teams yeah. that won't, uh, won't be played, obviously. You have... The three games Illinois was going to play non-conference, and then you've got Iowa, Iowa State, Ohio State was going to Oregon, Wisconsin yeah. was going to play Notre Dame at yeah. Lambeau Field. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Uh, Nebraska and Cincinnati, Michigan State was going to play Miami of Florida. So a lot of um, big TV moneymaker games there, Penn Absolutely. State Penn State, and Virginia Tech. So those are all factors there as well. So uh, Tom Deanhart from uh, Purdue thought uh, they would just kind of uh, – do away with the Big Ten conference schedule that as it stands now and, and start over. And the more I've thought about that in the last hour, I think that might be an interesting uh, way to do it. Well, I think we got to expect that because uh, September can't be left open. No. And so there, there, there'll be a bunch of games moved in there and there'll be a bunch of open dates where they can maneuver around. I just think it might be easier to start over than it would be to try to move and Compare schedule. Well, this this team's got to be here. You know, I I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I don't know. Start from scratch and see what you can come up with, and 
and maybe it used to be that, that we scheduled certain like homecoming for example every dad's day whatever there were certain games that you scheduled on certain dates that people could make long-term plans to be there this is different <laughs> this is there's there's no long-term planning on traveling or anything else if i fans or parents or whoever might want to come back for a reunion. I, it's just not going to happen. Well, you know, the last time Illinois played a conference-only schedule in football. 1919? 1919. 1919, they won the Big Ten and were named national champions. Yeah. They went 6-1. 6-1. Huh? That was in the Spanish flu yep. pandemic. Yeah. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were just a little guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was just a little guy, but yeah, I can remember that, yeah. <laughs> It is uh, 1020. I couldn't resist. 1028 <laughs> on that. We'll take a break. We'll talk some uh, more college basketball. Scott Nagy will join us after this. We'd love to hear from you as well as we work our way towards 11 back after this. It is 1030 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We got started at 9. We're with you until 11. Phone line is open 356 356- Nine three nine seven here on DWS. Going to talk some college basketball now. Scott Nagy is on the line with us from uh, the state of Ohio. Scott, how are you? Good morning. How are you guys? We're doing pretty good. We want to talk to you a little bit about uh, your team as we move along and uh, your days in Champaign. Champaign uh, Centennial graduate and spent some time as a grad assistant on uh, Lou Henson's staff. And we were thinking about you this week watching uh, the House of Pain play in the basketball tournament over in uh, Columbus, not far from uh, where you're working these days, and learned a lot about uh, Mike Dom. We didn't know much about him other than he scored a lot of points for uh, South Dakota State uh, back in the day, and, and you got him there and coached him some. Uh, talk a little bit about him and, and uh, the kind of player that you think he is. Well, uh, we... Uh... I am, but I've kind of lost you. You kind of dropped to the background there. There we go. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Right. Still right. got you. Yeah. So I, you know, uh, yeah, we recruited Mike uh, two years before I left South Coast State. We redshirted him his freshman year, and I, I was unsure if he'd ever even play for us. Uh, his redshirt year, you know, he was probably two hundred and fifty pounds. I look at him now; he's probably maybe two fifteen, two twenty. He's really lost a lot of weight. Uh, and then his freshman year, you know, we couldn't get him to guard anybody, but he was a heck of a scorer even his freshman year. We never started him because we tried to give him some incentive to play defense, but he ended up being first-team all-conference as a freshman, uh, MVP of the, the conference tournament, went to the NCAA tournament, and then, the, of course, that's when I left. And then the, the next three years, he was MVP of the league all three years. And he scored over 3,000 points, and uh, that puts him on the – Top 10, I think number seven in the all-time uh, collegiate scores. Number one on that list is Pete Maravich. So he's in some pretty good company there. And what do you think, uh, what made the big change in him? Obviously losing the weight and getting serious, I would guess, about uh, what he wanted to do. Well, I, you know, even his freshman year, he was probably still close to 245. It's, it's not like he lost the kind of weight that he's playing at now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, you know, he, number one, he loved to be in the gym. You know, when I went and watched him, the first time I saw him play was out in Las Vegas at an AAU tournament and he made 10 threes in the game that I watched and he was in a back gym, you know, he wasn't with the the Nikes and the Adidas and those teams. And so, you know, there weren't a lot of people watching him, 
and uh, I saw him make 10 threes, you know, he's six, nine, he's long. And I, you know, and he's, he's, he wasn't overly athletic and he, he comes from Kimball, Nebraska, which is in the middle of absolutely nowhere. That's about 15 miles from Colorado and Wyoming sitting out in the corner of Nebraska. And, um, you know, we, we just kind of took a flyer on him and said, Hey, I, you know, we think this kid before he's done because of his skill level, he's just tremendous hands. And obviously he can shoot the ball and, a uh, good passer, good ball handler, that eventually he's going to end up being a good player. And when we redshirted him, he got in better shape, but just loved to be in a gym, loved it. And, and you know, those guys that have been my best players are the guys that have put the time in, and he's definitely one of them. Well, Scott, this is Lauren. When you left, uh, how how strong were the efforts by, let's say, the University of Nebraska and others to try to get him to transfer because at that point he had, he had shown what he could do? Oh, I, I'm sure, you know, the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, Lauren, is incredible. And I'm sure he got, uh, you know, they they don't always do it directly. They'll, they'll go through the AU coaches. They'll do whatever they have to do, the high school coaches. Uh, the, the, the problem was he had redshirted. And so for him to transfer, he would lose a year of, of eligibility and wouldn't be able, you know, he, he would only play three years instead of four. And so I think that plus you know just his level of loyalty he loved south dakota state he loved the people there they loved him and you know obviously it turned out very well for him and and it turned out well for south dakota state so i think it was a good decision by him but but believe me they, i'm sure when i left there there were all kinds of efforts and people thought you know even when we went to Wright state that we would try to take him with us and we you know we never made any attempt to do that because you know we don't want to burn any bridges but but i know i know uh yeah that there were a lot of people that tried Talk about the transition from two Division One. You'd had so many uh, winning seasons there with twenty plus wins at South Dakota State, and then you made the transition to Division One. What was that like? I know you lost some games in the process. It's got to be a pretty big step, huh? Yeah, it was awful, Lauren. You know, if I was to be honest, and um, you know, we we had uh, some years because we were so used to win. I think. Uh, up until that, those those first eight years that I was there at South Dakota State, we'd won 80% of our games. And, you know, I thought it was pretty easy. Uh, and then we made that transition. We had no league. We were, So you imagine trying to play games from South Dakota uh, and not be in a league in January and February. And we're yeah. traveling to Texas, El Paso, and New Jersey. Uh, I mean, we're all over the country just trying to get games. And it was a disaster. It was obviously very difficult to recruit because we couldn't play an NCAA tournament for five years. We, you know, we had no league. And so we, we did a pretty good job recruiting. You, you look at a guy like Steve Holdren, who came to us and, and uh, was a good player for us. But it, it just, it was hard for those kids to complete their, their years at South Coast State because it was so tough and we weren't winning and we had nothing to look forward to. And so we couldn't hang on to kids. And then eventually, you know, we really started – recruiting very honestly and saying hey this is tough and we need tough kids and kids that won't bail on us and we got a group uh and garrett callahan was one of them uh you know who was from illinois and then his brother griffin callahan and and so we we started getting some people that at least were, were staying with us even though it was tough and then they helped us recruit the guys that went to the ncaa tournament okay now when you left there you had you had had three years as a, as a South Dakota State assistant, twenty one years as a head coach. How difficult was it for you to leave, and um, why Wright State? Uh, it was hard. Lauren, I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, I, 
I, cause I, I was probably to the point uh, of, you know, I mean, either we're going to stay here the rest of our lives or, or you know, we're going to make a move. And the, the, the one thing that was tough for us is really uh, the, the toughest thing for us, we just weren't very close to our family. Uh, you know, my wife's parents live in Nashville, and my mom lives in Tennessee, and my dad is in Chicago. And so we just weren't very close, and we, we, we very rarely got to see him. And and so the opportunity we took to move to Wright State uh, put us with, with, within about five hours of all of them. And actually, we're in Nashville now, seeing Jamie's parents, and we just couldn't do that from from Brookings. And so it was a it was a hard move for sure. It's hard on my family because my my children we had five of them, and that's all they knew was South Dakota. Four of them, or three of them, were born there. We adopted one there. And so uh, it just, it, it's all they knew. And so it was a tough move, but I think if you ask my kids and my wife and everybody now, they would say that they're glad we moved. They they're, they like the, the different experiences and the friends they've made. And so, but it was hard. I, I spent the first year, Lauren, looking backwards, wondering, you know, did I make the right decision? Because it was pretty hard. Well, I saw, I counted up your wins. You won 50 games the last two years at South Dakota State, 24 and 26. Then you won 20. 25, 21, and 25 at Wright State with a couple of championships in in the Horizon League. I mean, you got to feel pretty good about things right now. Oh well, yeah. I mean, we, you know that. <laughs> this is one thing I always say. You know what? I, I, and I figured this out. I, I, I'm a pretty dang good coach when I have good players. And <laughs> uh, when you sound like Lou Henson now. Me, yeah. When the other teams has better players than me, I'm not a good coach. And I remember my dad telling me when we went Division One and. We got in. We got in uh, to the to Summit League, and I was telling him, you know, hey, I mean, this guy's a good coach, and that guy's a good coach, and my and and Dad said to me, he said he said, quit trying to out coach him and out recruit him, get better players, and he's right. I mean, it's it's just it's you know, and I'm not saying coaching's not important because I think that it is, and I think getting the right kids that fit your system and your belief system is very important, uh, and I've learned, you know, we've kind of learned how to do that over the years. But to have good players is is paramount, and you know we we have we've had really good players at South Coast State, and you know we've done a pretty good job at Wright State getting good players. Talking to Scott Nagy, he's the head coach at Wright State, uh, an area I'm familiar with in the uh, Miami Valley. I grew up uh, near there, and actually did some Wright State games on TV and radio back in the uh, late '70s. So I know the the basketball tradition of that area and the city of Dayton um, back then. Uh, UD would not play Wright State. Are you guys? Do you get to play them at all? No, no, they still don't, huh? Uh, you know, and it would be a great game. Obviously, there was a point there before I got there that they said, you know, for for RPI reasons, they needed to play better teams. Um, you know, there that we we had uh, one year where our RPI was better than theirs, and <laughs> so they couldn't use that excuse anymore. <laughs> and it. You know, the, the, the thing, it's, I'll be honest with you, that, that was a big adjustment for me because I, I went from South Dakota State where we were, we, in South Dakota, we were like the University of Illinois to that state. I mean, we were the big school. I, I come to uh, Dayton, and we're not even the, the focus in our town. <laughs> uh, and so that, that, that was a tough adjustment for me. And I, my, my focus, I, like when people talk about basketball, man, had an incredible year last year, and, and Anthony is, is one heck of a good coach. But I don't think about them at all. I don't even know who their players are other than whether or not we've recruited them. But I don't watch them play. I, you know, we, we have our own focus. In the, in the town, obviously, there, there's so many people that would love to see the game. 
But I, I say this admittedly. If I was Dayton, I wouldn't play the game. But I think the town, uh, the city of Dayton would love to see it. You know, I mean, you have those kind of inner city rivalries that, that are a lot of fun and it would be fun to play. But I spend no time thinking about them, and I'm sure they don't spend any time worrying about us. You, uh, your team went 25-7 and seven last year, did the Wright State Raiders, and were headed towards the NIT before it got canceled. Uh, talk a little bit about your team, and Tim Finke is on the roster, correct, from Champaign? Yeah, you know, and it's amazing that that House of Pain, just the connections we had. Obviously, Mike Latulip, the coach, uh, we recruited him at South Dakota State when he before he went to Illinois, and then when he was trying to leave Illinois that, that final year, we recruited him and still couldn't get him to come. And then when we came to Wright State, we finally got him to come to Wright State, and he played a year for us, and we won 20 games that first year, and he started for us and was a good player. Uh, and then, obviously, having Tim on our team, brother of Michael, uh, and we recruited Michael in high school when I was at South Dakota State. So, I, you know, I knew that team well. But, yeah, Tim Tim sat out last year, transferred from Grand Canyon, and is going to be a really good player for us. I mean, he is he is a physical guard. Uh, the, there's just so many places you can play him. Defensively, he's tremendous. He's very tough. Uh, we're really excited about having him. We have, you know, we have the returning player of the year, uh, Loudon Love, who uh, will be a senior for us this year, and Loudon's from Geneva, Illinois. And we recruited Illinois like crazy, you know, obviously with, with, with our ties there mm-hmm. and my, my ties with all the Illinois people. Uh, but Loudon is, is, you know, when he came to us as a freshman, he was 6'9", about two, uh, 320. And now he's 6'9", about 255. And has done a great job of getting in shape and was player of the year last year. And so we, we, we're probably, would be my guess, is we'll be picked to win the league again this year. Uh, we lost some very good guards, Cole Gentry. Uh, who's from St. Charles, Illinois, was our point guard last year, and, and we lost in the second-team all-conference guard uh, from Wisconsin. And so uh, we, th- there's some things we have to make up, but, but we have a pretty good nucleus return, and plus we're adding 10. Scott, bring us up to date on Dick Nagy. Well, Dad lives up in Mundelein, and you know he's been married uh, to Janelle for quite a long time, and she owns a, a, a beauty salon uh, right. up in Waukegan. And mm-hmm. so... Uh, I see Dad. I haven't seen him since this whole COVID thing hit. I've, I've not been able to see him. Uh, and I'm hoping to see him here coming up actually uh, next week, maybe a week from Monday, because that's when we're allowed to start working out, I think, if everything goes according to plan. Of course, you know, things change so quickly with this deal. Uh, but Dad's going to will probably come because he loves to watch us work out. Anytime we practice or can start practice or work out, he likes to come over and watch and talk to the guys and, and be around and, being only five hours away now, it's much easier for him to, to, to get over and watch us play. And uh, it's obviously great for our family to be able to see him. But he's doing well. And, uh, Does he you know, help he, you recruit? He loves basketball. Uh, well, he, yeah. He, he, I mean, he'll go watch players for sure. Uh, he, he loves to do that. And, you know, he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't do anything he's not supposed to do. But he can go to a gym and watch a kid play. And, uh, you know, he likes to go do that. He, he wants to know who we're recruiting in the area so he can go watch him play. Well, you played at Centennial, and as I mentioned uh, off the top, you, you uh, were a grad assistant on uh, the Fighting Illini, the Flying Illini, back during that time. So I'm sure Illinois basketball has got a special place in your heart. Your thoughts on, on uh, the way things are going for them now under Brad Underwood? Well, I, you know, I know Brad just a little bit, and I see him in recruiting and uh, he's, he's obviously doing a very good job. He, he got up to a little bit of a rocky start, but it, it takes a while to get 
your your players and the kind of players you want and it just does you have to give a coach uh, some some space and time to recruit and uh you know in this day and age it's so very difficult uh, to recruit a kid and keep him four or five years because so many kids are transferring uh but but he's obviously done a very good job i know he's I know he's a, a tough coach, and and uh, but that's good. I, I think those are all positives, and he gets the kind of kids that, that can handle him, and uh, you know they, if they can, I, again, it's it's a little bit like Dayton. My now my wife Jamie uh, graduated from the University of Illinois, so she pays more attention to Illinois basketball than I do, <laughs> because she just loves them. Anytime they play, if they're on TV, she's watching them, and I may be thinking about something else. Uh, so she may be able to tell you more about how they're doing than I can. But I know that uh, if they can keep a few guys there, uh, that they have a chance, uh, you know, to be a top-10 team this year. Hey, Scott, appreciate your time. Good to catch up with you. And uh, maybe we'll do it again here as we get closer to basketball season. Thank you. Oh, okay, thank you. Thanks, Scott. Scott Nagy with us, head coach at uh, Wright State University over in Dayton. We'll take a break at uh, 1046. One more segment, open line segment for you coming up after this. Ten forty-eight on Ipella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly. Moving our way towards 11 o'clock. If you'd like to join us, now's the time. 356-9397 is the number. Scott Nagy, by the way, won 410 games at uh, South Dakota State in 21 years. He was 410 and 240. Um, you mentioned he went through the uh, transition with South Dakota State from Division Two to Division One. Had they, some tough years there. They did, and they got uh, an NCAA tournament bid before he took uh, the uh, job at the University of Dayton. And he's been uh, the Horizon Coach of the Year in his first two years at Wright State. Played in the NCAA tournament his second year. They were in the NIT his third, and they were in the they NIT. They would have gone to the NIT this year. Yeah, they would. They were 25-7. and seven. They lost in their uh, Horizon they, Conference League tournament. They're the number one team in that league and going to be a favorite again this year. Yep. We'll keep an eye on on them uh, with uh, Tim Finke on that roster. I think they got upset by Northern Kentucky in one of those years they in, did. in the uh, – in the in the conference horizon playoff, mm-hmm. so um, you know it. They only get that league only gets one team, and it has it's a team that wins the tournament. And he um, sees and probably recruits against D Brown quite a bit. Yeah, that's right. And you know, it's really uh, to hear him talk honestly about Dayton. If I was Dayton, I wouldn't play us either. <laughs> <laughs> well, that goes back. There's some history to that, and schools are about the same size, although Wright State is more of a commuter school than is uh, Dayton. I was a huge Dayton Flyer fan back in the day when they had guys who you'll remember. They had a guy named Scott May who was a great player. Henry Finkel was one of the first seven-footers to play in uh, college basketball. They went to the Final Four. They went to the NCAA Tournament Championship game in 1967 and lost to Lou Alcindor. Okay, like everybody else. Yeah, like everybody else during that span in, uh, in uh, the NCAA championship game before he became Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But they, they had a, a great uh, basketball tradition. They were coached for a long time by Hall of Famer Don Donaher. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of tradition over there. So he's in a good area for uh, high school players as well. And as 
you heard him say he still recruits the state of Illinois pretty heavily. Well, yeah, he should because that suburban area has a lot of players that are just below what uh, the University of Illinois would want or the Big Ten schools would want, and he's he's right there to pick them off. And it obvious it's obvious that he's he's developed some players. <laughs> Certainly, Dom is a development player when you take a guy that. Yeah, redshirted as a freshman year, and then here he is. He played the next four years and sensationally for them. We started the day and uh, talked about the biggest story of the week. That's the Big Ten Conference making the announcement on Thursday of conference opponents only. How that schedule will look, we don't know yet. Uh, Tom Deanhart thinks they'll start over and blow it up and blow start it up over and, huh? and plug it in and see what what comes out. In the meantime. Illinois uh, got another uh, commit or two this week. The most recent, Josh Kruntz from the Loyola Academy. He's an offensive lineman. That brings to the number 13 in the class of uh, 2021. Seven of those players are from the state of Florida, Mm -hmm. two from Georgia, one from Illinois, Missouri, Texas, and Virginia. One in the last two years from the state of Illinois. They're they're ranked now about in the 50s by the – by rivals and, and 247, I believe, in the 50s uh, nationally, uh, the recruiting class. That's the class of 2021, not those who will be coming in this fall, but a, a, year, a year later. And with the announcement of the Big Ten comes a lot of questions that we've talked about some of those, but there's a lot more out there regarding tickets and procedures and things like that. And uh, as Kent Brown mentioned in his uh, news release this week, uh, They'll start working on those questions and have information available when they know how things are going to work. And uh, this is, man, this is a work in progress uh, from uh, the first second of every day. Uh, Hegemeyer would be pulling every hair out of his head, wouldn't he, with, with, with the problems he's got in ticketing? Imagine this. We don't even know who you're playing and the games are coming up. Yep, and, and that's that's important. I get that, but... There's so many more things ahead of that. Uh-huh. You know, number one, get the schedule out there first. Yeah. Well, and, and what, decide. What, what if they only give you a, a one month scheduling? That's fine. <laughs> or they could tell you you're going to have five home games, and you you proceed that way, and whatever it takes to get everything ready. Once they tell you how many fans you can have, or can you have any fans? Every time, every day that comes along, we're hit with something new. Now this whole idea of blowing up the schedule is something oh, yeah. completely new that I hadn't even considered. I, I just thought they might move some games into September. I asked you before we went on. I didn't ask you on the air, but I will. Do you think the Big Ten jumped the gun, or do you think they were ahead of the game on this? Well, Or neither? Well, the thing that we don't appreciate is the fact that the Big Ten people have been meeting – They've also been meeting with other conferences. There's a, there's no there's a reason why the Pac-12 announced right after the Big Ten. They've mm-hmm. been discussing it with the Big Ten. Both knew what the other was going to do. They know what the ACC is going to do right now. ACC is going to announce it Monday. I mean, they're all in cahoots on this, and that's okay. That's the way it should be. And a lot of these uh, decisions on how to tr- treat testing is being discussed and solidified well in advance before we get it. They know what they're going to do. And, 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 and that's, they just don't trust other, other schools that have less money and less resources 
that they don't trust them that they're going to do the kind of testing that they're going to do. It won't be as thorough and therefore not as safe. I don't know that it's a lack of trust as much as it is a lack of being able to oversee it. You know what I mean? With, with their conference, each conference, they know what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. They'd rather not have to worry about what other people do. Yeah. So I don't think it's a lack of trust. that They may just realize they don't have the funds to, to do what the Big Ten thinks is necessary. Right. 1055, we'll take one final break. Be back with some final words on this edition of an on Fellow Saturday Sports Talk. Stay with us. we got about three minutes left. If you'd like to pop in here, you can do it. If you hurry, otherwise, we're going to kill three minutes. Kelly and Tate, can we do that, Lord? Get ready for some baseball next week. Baseball. close to it. Week from Thursday. Yep. Yankees are going to be playing. Dodgers are going to be playing. They're the favorites. They play each other, don't they? No, no. no. Dodgers are playing the Giants, and the Yankees are playing the Nationals. Did you see the first um, game? Did you, did you take a close look at the um, schedules? No. Like the Cardinals schedule? No, I haven't. They play the Cubs and the Brewers ten times, seven each on the road. Really? Yeah, they only got three games against the Cubs at Bush Stadium. Now, my question is, will it matter if there's no fans in the stands, whether you're home or on the road? I don't know. But they play seven of ten at Wrigley Field and seven of ten at Miller Park against the Brewers. Now, they play the Reds seven of ten in St. Louis. And there's one stretch there. In a 60-game schedule, they've got a stretch, a 10-game, maybe it's 11, but it's at least 10, 10-game road trip, Cardinals do. Now, it's not that far. They're in Chicago, Kansas City, and maybe Cleveland or somewhere like that. But uh, interesting schedule. Those games will be interesting. Uh, well, we'll get real interested in that in about another week. When, if we get that close, <laughs> I'm just concerned about the next week. Well, the NBA teams are – in Orlando, and who knows how that's going to come out there. They're going to start about the, actually, they're going to start a week after mm-hmm. Major League Baseball when you would have thought that the NBA might have been the first ones back. They were the ones still playing at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, we got through it. Thanks to uh, Tom Deanhart, Brad Dancer, Mike Small, Scott Nagy on this edition of the show. And we'll be back next week. Maybe there'll be another bombshell between now and then. But the hardest thing for me about, about Nagy is he sounds so young and he's in his 50s. <laughs> you know, he seems so young. We well, remember him when he was so young. And uh, here he is. He, well, he's been coaching a long time. Yes. Good to hear from him. We appreciate you listening. Thanks to uh, Blake Landa for his help in uh, the other room getting the show going for us. And thanks for you folks that uh, called in as well. On News Talk 1400, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. For Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Have a good weekend, everybody.